Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lay It on the Table, the Southern Board Gaming podcast that puts the accent on Southern. I can't talk today. I don't know what is going on. But I tell you what, uh, it's one of those days where we're all excited about the return of Gen Con in Indiana, which is a full-throated convention. Uh, a lot of new exciting uh, announcements coming out of that. But today, first, as always, James and I like to talk about what's on our table. Uh, so, James, good morning and welcome. Uh, so what's going on with you these days? Uh, thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. It's a lovely morning. Um, we are, I think, finally done with the, the infestation of quacks that we've been dealing with. Uh, came back from the beach and Laura was like, well, this guy wanted to play, you know, quacks. And so we had it on the table there, played a couple times and it was just... Laura and I were like, we need to get out of this quacks thing. But then I ended up winning like four <laughs> games in a row. And Laura was like, nope, nope, have to go out on a, on a you know, more even keel here. So she finally came back with the big win last night. And so I think we're going to, you know, clear the table of the quacks and move on to games that we know and love or haven't tried yet. So it's a nice, it's a nice turn here on a Sunday to look forward to a whole different set of games. And what about you? What's been on your table recently? Well, so uh, Dale and I were, were going through the games um, that were on our table. We, we had played Endangered um, just to kind of get the sense of the co-op. And the first time we played it, we were unsuccessful in saving the Tigers, and we were very sad. Uh, yes. And then so we played it again the next day, and lo and behold, we were able to save the Tigers. And we didn't Hooray. have to do it by adding uh, additional players. And I can't remember if I told you Prior to that, we were playing Viticulture as a co-op. Okay. And we like it, but what we discovered is two-player, it's not that exciting because for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's it's hard to really mount enough resources to win the game as a co-op with two players. Okay. But I also think that we were somewhat handicapped because we're two players who are used to playing against each other, and it took a minute to get in our brain, oh, wait, we're supposed yeah. to be helping each other. And that could have been... Could have been part of the sure. challenge. So we haven't given up on it. We've thought about maybe playing them with, like, each of us playing two, oh, two right. families uh, or something like that. But um, but those were sort of our games. And then I had to go out of town for the week. So I was in Atlanta all week. And I stayed at this really interesting hotel called The Moxie. Now, The Moxie okay. is a Marriott property, not a sponsor. And uh, it's an interesting hotel in the sense that you walk in. And you know how most hotels kind of have, like, your – your counter and you go to the counter mm -hmm. and you say, I'm here to check in and they give you your key, et cetera. Well, this is a little different. You walk in and it's like you're walking into the club. Oh, okay. And you walk up to the bar and you check in in the bar and they give you your key and they give you a drink. Okay. If you're, if you're old enough, I guess. Right on. Yeah. And then you look around the lobby and they had this huge, you know, 48 by 48 monopoly set. They had wow. this huge 48 by 48 Scrabble set. They had a chessboard. They had these huge Uno cards. And so it was really setting up like a gaming vibe. And there's like a big, sure. you know, little shuffleboard table that almost looked like an air hockey oh, table, yeah, if you those. can imagine what like that looks 3D like. 3D Catan, I'm hoping? No, no, no 3D uh, Catan, sorry. We... But anyway, so the, but the reason I bring that up is um, I'm coming back from dinner the second night, I guess, and I get off the elevator, and I see this couple over at the shuffleboard table, and the guy is wearing an invulnerable vagrant shirt, which, of course, is the Pumat Soul um, from um, Campaign 2 of uh, Critical Role, where they go to get magic items and stuff. And um, in one of my previous campaigns, I actually had Pumat Soul make a cameo, and I did a voice. And so I started talking to the couple in the oh, nice. Pumat Soul voice, <laughs> just to be weird. And it worked because the guy's like, you're the only person that's ever gotten this, this shirt. Well, uh, long story short, uh, this couple had come up from Orlando. Um, they were there. He was there taking a class at Georgia Tech. And they said, hey, we're going to play Farkle later. Do you want to join us? Ooh, okay. So right. I joined them for Farkle. And I uh, just had a great time. I had never played the game before. And, of course, you know, it's a dice game. And um, nice chucking, yeah. I actually won, oh, which well was a surprise. Uh, but it was just kind of fun, you know, catching up and meeting some new people that were, you know, passionate about board games and, and stuff. And I was able to share with them some games that I thought was interesting. And they shared with me some things. It was just a really nice encounter. So it was just kind of cool how to be in Atlanta and meet another couple and just sort of get a sense of, you know, how gaming sort of sort of draws us to, together. So that's that's part of my story for the week. I love it. That's I was at a um, 
hotel in Chicago many years ago, and there was a couple playing uh, Lord of the Rings, the card game, mm -hmm. and I kind of drifted over, and we did sort of a similar, oh, you know what I know that you know that, and uh, we ended up playing Hanabi that night, and they were there from the UK. He was going to the world championship of Lord of the Rings, and so... Um, yeah, it's, it's nice, particularly if you're looking for games like these, you think, hmm, we don't usually see either that kind of t-shirt or those kinds of games on a table in a hotel. It's nice to yeah. find games and think of games as a way that really pulls people together. That's super nice. I like that story. That's fantastic. So I came back and I didn't, we didn't start playing Farkle here, although ah, yes. I, I, I may have, I may be ready for it. You never know. Um, dice. But we, we continued on. We, um, one of the games that we had played before I left uh, and we played it when I got back was Fjords. Uh, I had backed the Kickstarter. And so we really, you know, we get a lot of joy out of the tile placement type games, particularly when they're the the hexagon style that you get with sort of like the Cascadias and the the Calicos, et cetera. And so uh, we started playing that and we find that we kind of like that. And, and we're always amazed because um, Beth Sobel did the artwork for both Cascadia and uh, Fjords which is interesting because right. it's two different publishers. So it's always fun. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning how all that, the dots connect, I guess. And, um, it's always amazing to me how they can, um, make a tableau that regardless of how you put it together, it's going to fit. You can make something right. interesting out of it. It doesn't just go one way. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm sure there's a science behind that. There's probably some computer generation as well that makes that happen. But, I don't know. It's just, 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 just oh, pretty awesome. interesting to me. Um, and then we, uh, as long as we were taking care of our wall of shame, which for the uninitiated is the board games that are still in shrink wrap on the shelf, uh, we pulled off. I pulled off Glenmore Two: The Chronicles, oh, and yeah. uh, thought we would dive into that yesterday. And I think I spent more time unpacking everything and getting it organized. So we did not get on that yesterday, but we did get on to Chronicles of Crime. Oh, okay. And we, we, we solved the tutorial, and we got a 54 out of 100 on the first uh, encounter. So we have to try that again. <laughs> not real happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good <laughs> a good opening. Yeah. But, you know, we're interested in Chronicles. Uh, we're trying to find more, you know, co-ops. They say that's a one-to-four-player game. I think you could probably play, like, six-plus people on that. I don't think you would. <laughs> well, the way we did it is... I put the app on my iPad uh, and then I have, we're in a room with a very big TV. So when you're scanning the room, I am mirroring the iPad to the TV. So I'm kind of looking around the room and everybody can look at the TV. So you could actually do that with a larger group and catch more yeah. clues and stuff like that. But it was fun. It was, it was the first thing, you know, we've had it for a while. We knew we would like it. We just haven't gotten around to playing it. And we were like, you know what? We're going to play it. Cool. So, And it sounds like the, I mean, you know, introductory scenarios are supposed to be solvable at yep. a pretty good rate. And then, yeah. Uh, the same, I mean, I got the right murderer. I just didn't solve the rest of the case. There was some nuance to it. So. Yep. I've been there. We've done a couple of games like that where you get to the end of like, okay, oh, right. I forgot the six other categories I was supposed to be solving for as well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like a good fun stuff. And so you're going to Glenmore... Uh, this evening, you think? Or? I don't know. It depends if uh, we can get a watch it played in. Um, ah, that's yeah. always the, the key for us. I think John John Gets Games has a good shorter video on how to play. Um, the fact that they had to give me a video on how to unbox it and organize it makes me a little hmm. <laughs> but I, I think once we kind of get the, the base game, I think it's because they give you, they're called the Chronicles, so they give you like eight or nine scenarios above the base okay. game that you can play. And I think just getting those organized were the challenge because you look at it and it's kind of intimidating because there's all this content. But I think once you realize you can kind of consume it in bite-sized chunks, I think that'll help. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Uh, sort of like um, was it Fog of Love has lots of different scenarios. And, mm -hmm. oh, are we going to uh, just play one of these at a time? It'll be fine. And I saw that... Uh, Going back to Gen Con for a little bit, Fog of Love has a uh, what, Love in Lockdown expansion that was coming out, so that seemed pretty hilarious. Is that the baby expansion? I'm, I'm sorry, that was a yeah. joke. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, 
Well, it's funny. Before we get to Gen Con, and I do want to get there, it was funny. I, I, I've been traveling a lot the last couple of weeks, uh, and I met with a, an old um, colleague of mine. I was telling him about the podcast, and he goes, oh, like like you, you guys talk about games like the kinds of like the, 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 the tea game you would find in uh, Cracker Barrel, the golf tea game, you know, where yeah, it's on the triangle and you're trying to work that out. I'm like, wow, I can't believe we never thought about that. <laughs> So I oh, thought man. that was kind of fun. That that was exactly where the the where his brain went when I told him a little bit about what we were trying to do here, which I thought was yeah. pretty good. Okay, puzzles, but all right, yeah, sure. Anyway. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I was thinking about this um, sort of taking quacks off the table. It's been on the table for a long time. This yep. is our seventy second play of it. Wow, and you, you sound like you keep way- track. Pardon? You sound like you keep track. I uh, I do it in in board game geek. Yeah, I know. So it's uh it's kind of fun to just keep track of these things, uh, and we should be sure to touch on the guild here before we. Uh, yes, absolutely, uh, for sure. Finish the end of these, but um, it's an interesting space where you're you know, you're with your partner of this, and you know I think for both of us, our you know wives are the people that we play the most with, right? This is the kid. The kid is in bed. Let's do something to kind of unwind instead of just sitting in front of the TV. Let's sit across from each other and do something um, interesting. But it's a funny space to get into where you're like, well, we'd like to put this game away, but I just won by like a lot. And it just leaves a kind of bad taste to say, well, now we're just going to, you know, we're going to end this on this gigantic win. And the kind of sort of um, emotional space where you get to of like, well, let's find a balance. Let's find a way where we're both happy when this goes back onto the shelf. And I think that was a kind of an interesting um, journey over the past couple of days sort of talking that through and thinking that through and saying, yeah, let's, and then, you know, I was talking with Laura saying, well, I'm sure what you don't want me to do is say, well, I'm not going to buy any chips this time. I could buy, you know, I've got 20, but I'm not going to buy anything. She's like, yeah, if you did that, I'd kill you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't throw the game, you know, make it a, you know, do the thing you're supposed to do, play it and play to win. But yeah, that sort of space, it's an interesting one that we were yeah. dealing with. So, so you started to go down the path of the guild. Why don't we talk about that, and then we'll kind of segue into to Gen Con. Sure. We are Guild 4084, as I recall. Um, yep, 4084. You can uh, go to Board Game Geek and look through the guilds there under Lay It on the Table, or you can Google uh, Lay It on the Table Board Game Geek Guild, and you can... Find ways to interact with us there. Send us notes. Post some things. We'll try to post some things there as well. I suspect, uh, but that's a whole new thing that just started up. So, um, just got that approved last week, and so we're still figuring out what that's going to look like. But it's available now. Guild four zero eight four. There's a lot of guilds there. So four zero eight four. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Hey, we're 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 in quadruple digits. Yes. There we go. So I, I know we wanted to, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Gen Con and it's you know obviously we're not there uh, I do have some friends from the local game store that did go so hopefully we can get them on in the next uh, couple of episodes to maybe talk about their experiences awesome, uh, at uh, Gen Con I think that would be fun to kind of dive into um, but I think what's really interesting is from everything that I've read uh, the Gen Con has returned to Indianapolis at full capacity. And when you think about what we've been through over the last couple of years, um, anything being back to full capacity like that is, 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 you know, a sign that certain things are getting back to normal. Although from what I understand, uh, it has been mandatory masks, uh, inside the facility. Um, yeah, I've seen posts and people, uh, having pictures of that. So yeah. that seems like a, a wise precaution. Yep. Nope. hundred percent. Um, there've been a number of articles about the, the, the most interesting things that have come out of Gen Con. There's one that really, um, I started looking at in prepping for today and I was like, no, all of these are rolling rights and I'm just not a rolling right kind of person, but evidently rolling rights are coming out and it's probably due to the fact that we've been in pandemic that rolling rights have become so popular, but it's just not something that really grabs me. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on rolling rights? Um, yeah, there are some that I have really enjoyed, and I kind of like the flip and write a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, if you want to play Yahtzee by yourself, that's certainly a thing you can do. And there are some that seem 
uh, more compelling than others. I like the idea of the super skill pinball. Uh, that seems like a fun one that has kind of some nice thematic elements into it. I like the cartographers just because it's um, it was this idea that you're going to be writing a map as you've you know flipped up these um, cards with polyomino shapes on them. And then every so often a monster shows up. So you get to interact by actually handing your map to somebody else and they draw the monster. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not, um, it's not a, a vibe that uh, has really got me. I saw one of the ones that's coming out is a um, Twilight Imperium roll and write. Yep. That's, that's, and I thought, yep. dear God, why, why did that have to happen? <laughs> Yeah, and I guess I, mean, I guess it's one of those parts of game. You know, the thing I love about gaming is that there's so many genres within the genre. You know, right. there's the whole idea of, um, you know, Warhammer. There's D and D. There's you know the um, Vampire Masquerade, uh, Cthulhu. You know, just that's in the RPG world, and then. You know, in the board game variants, you have a lot of different variations, the engine builders, mm -hmm. the collector sets, et cetera. Yeah, um, and you can break them up by either mechanisms or sure. by theme and setting, right? Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, the, the, anything that brings people into gaming, it's just not something that I'm attracted to. Because, you know, it's, I, I think I told you, I can't remember if we've done the podcast. I don't think we have. I was in a game store in Durham a couple of weeks ago. I was in Atomic Empire. Mm -hmm. And which is a great store. I love the store. It's in Durham. If you're ever there, definitely check it out. Uh, they had a copy of Charter Stone, and I'm sitting here oh, thinking, yeah. and I'm sitting here thinking, like, what are the Stonemeyer games I don't have? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I was looking at it, and I had it in the the buggy. There's not really a buggy. I had them hold it for me up to, up front, but you know, I was gonna buy it. But then I realized it was a it was a game where you, when you put stickers on the board, they're there, and that's for your next playthrough as well. Uh, and I yep. was like, ah. Yep, the whole legacy thing, yeah. I No, I, I, I don't want that. I want something that I can, you know, I want replayability. Mm -hmm. um, because, I'm, number one, I know the first time through I'm not that smart. <laughs> but, uh, so I ended up putting it back, and I ended up not getting Stakes any game made, while yeah. I was there. I did get a couple of puzzles because we're going to the beach oh, soon, cool. and my wife wanted some puzzles, and they had a, they had a great selection of Ravensburger mm -hmm. puzzles with the three hundred. They had three hundred, five hundred, a thousand count, you know, and mm -hmm. so we we got a couple of three hundreds because we're going with some kids and stuff, and so we thought that would be kind of fun to yeah to do. Pretty but straightforward puzzles there, yeah. But anyway, I so back to Gen Con, of course. Mm -hmm. You know the the rolling, but but there are a few things that I noticed that were announced that really got my attention. And the first one that I was like, "Ooh, did not know about this. How did I miss this announcement all the way around?" And I know you're thinking I'm going to say, you know, like Critical Role Clue, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> there's an expansion coming for Meadow called Downstream. Oh, okay. Uh, it's supposed to be out in Q4, and it's being highlighted at. Uh, at Gen Con this week. So I was very excited about that. Rebel Rebel Studios has uh, evidently had a really great role with this title. And, and I love this title for a number of reasons. I love the mechanics of the game. I love the fact that it's designed and published in Poland oh, and not okay. another part of the world. Not that I have a problem with that other part of the world. It's just that the aesthetic and the, the aesthetic of the artwork and the quality of the production, it's, you notice the difference. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to see if the expansion is done the same way. Maybe mm -hmm. it is. Maybe it isn't. We'll see. Uh, but I'm excited about that. Well, you've enjoyed Meadow a lot, right? Yes, we have. We love that game. It's it's. And is uh, that Phil Walker Harding or? Um, uh, you're gonna ask. Thinking tiles. Uh, and all that no, stuff. it's a it's a no because it's a it's a card game more. It's uh, okay. Clemens Kalicki out of Poland. I'm probably okay. blowing that name off the table. But yeah, no, Meadow is, is designed in, in uh, it's the, the native language is designed in is Polish. Okay. And then it is right. localized into the rest of the world. So uh, it's, a, it's a really nice, um, in fact, it's uh, when you go to their, uh, when you get the book, they actually have instructions in Poland, as Polish as well as uh, English. Nice. And I think you know I spent some time in Poland a few years ago, and it's a lovely country, wonderful I did people. Not. Yeah, no, it was this is in, news to me. Okay, I was over there for work for about two to three weeks in Krakow, and just really uh, fell in love with the friendliness of the people, and 
And I was just ex- that was one of the things that it dry- drew me to the game is that oh, it's designed in Poland. So, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. The other yeah. thing, I, the, um, other, the other thing I saw is that uh, there's a new game coming out called Fit to Print that kind of falls yes. into that uh, that same kind of classical calico ish kind of game. Uh, I also think it's great because we're going to teach people what newspapers were. Because I don't think we have them anymore. Well, it sort That's of reminded true. me of um, sort of Galaxy Trucker, the 19th century news or 20th century uh, <laughs> you know, newspaper. Uh, just because it feels, it sounds like there's a bit of you know frantic chaos at the beginning when you're putting everything together and you have to make sure that you have all the elements, and then you sit down and then score it. Right? Like, okay. And I don't. I'm sure you're not driving. You know, you're not flying your uh, newspaper out and back to deliver goods in space. But no, I saw that one too. That was definitely catching my attention. Um, one of the things that I was noticing is there's this couple of pair of uh, games that caught my attention. Birds of a Feather by Snowbright Studios. Okay. Uh, Teal Fristo, which is what a fun name. Um, and Renegade Games has Birdwatcher from uh, Zakir Joffrey. And um, I was... How long did it take to get these, you know, bird games out after <laughs> Wingspan blew the door off of everything? And there's a, there's a couple of others. Uh, let's see. There's a company whose name escapes me, but they have a whole series of games about um, science, right? So there's oh, one yeah. about the periodic table. There's one about... Um, They're the, the same publisher that do Genotype. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we love yep. that. So genotype and um, other cell biology. There are two cell biology games, all kinds of fun stuff. But I always thought that's hilarious. Well, it was funny too because I, it's, I, I had just read about Amygdala, mm, which is okay. one. But it's not the, by that publisher. It's by uh, Game Brewer. Um, yeah, this is Genius Games. Yeah. Cellulose is one of the ones. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, Genius Games are great, and I love them because they're, they're – uh, I, I, when we first got Genotype, we had backed the um, Kickstarter. Okay. It came, and we're playing it. And, and, of course, my youngest daughter has a degree in biology, and we're going through it. We're playing it, and we handed her one of the rule books. And the rule books is also explaining the fact, the science behind what you're doing. Nice. And the accuracy of the science. And she's like, this is like reading my textbook. This is great. <laughs> she was like, oh, this is fantastic. So, And we had gotten her periodic, the game. Mm-hmm. That she used promptly as a study tool. Nice. So. Yeah, no, it looked like, I mean, the, the cover art, all the stuff suggests that it really is It's like, hey, here are these processes that you can kind of gamify them. So we're just going to uh, do that, see what we can do. That looked pretty awesome. Um, so the other, but, oh, yes. the other day I was in the game store and there were not one, but two people playing Great Western Trail. Ah, yes. And not really, wasn't familiar with it until that day, and they're both oh, playing it. Good. And now I see that there's already an expansion, Great Western Trail Argentina, mm-hmm. coming out. Um, and so I, we, I, I can't decide if I, if, if, if it's a game I want to try or not yet, um, because I tend to be like, ooh, everybody's playing it, I, I must get it. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, let's wait. Uh, I've it's had an it, interesting I, game. There's a bunch of different um, sort of mechanisms that are sort of locked together, and. The first edition of the game, which I have, has the terrible cover art and and also the terrible sort of racist part in the middle of the game where you are attacked by um, Native Americans, Indians, they even call them. Germans not really being super up on how to think about post-colonial life in a lot of ways. But um, the second edition has them changed to either bandits or outlaws, and uh, we've removed the racism, but still it's a... Filtering out there. Okay, so it's a reprint in many ways, then, kind of like Libertalia. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I'm not—I wasn't familiar with the original. Uh... Yep. So there's, um, so there's that edition that I have. There's the second edition that takes care of the the racism, and then Argentina does different stuff. Um, but and I'm not as familiar with that version of the game. Well, well, speaking of potentially insensitive topics in a board okay. game theme. Um, there is a game coming out called from Capstone, uh, Catherine, the Cities of the Tsarina. Oh yeah. Um, of course, Catherine the Great being one of those uh, wonderful Prussian monarchs that ended up ruling Russia for a period of time. 
Yes. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. Um, but obviously, to me, it kind of looks like, you know, the, the 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 castles of Mad King Ludwig meets Rails and Trails or something like that. Uh, but it's it's interesting to see her as, as getting her due as a, as a board game theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, and I was looking that uh, Alderac AEG has, uh, they've had for many years a game called Cat Lady. Which mm-hmm. is, yeah, uh, no, I'm familiar with it. Yep. Yeah, super fun game. And now they're bringing out Dog Lover. It took them a while to balance things out for, for the animals there. That's important. And, yeah. Uh, and just to continue with this theme of, well, this isn't actually nature, but there's this game that has been on my mind for a long time called Cosmic Frog by the company Devious Weasel Games. I think it's fantastic. I love that name. And you... The art in this is amazing. I'm not sure that the gameplay stands up to it, but you are playing a two-mile-tall cosmic frog who's eating things to uh, grab terrain off a board. So I think I've but, fought that frog in Elden Ring, but you don't like to talk about video games, so I won't go there. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. No, that sounds pretty interesting. But it's a, I mean, the art and this, the idea of this two-mile-tall amphibian. <laughs> I love it. Mm, don't give a DM ideas. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So it's interesting, though, because as I've gone through the different articles, one of the things I keep looking for is what are people consistently excited about. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Great Western Trail has shown up on a couple of lists. Mm-hmm. The Meadow uh, downstream showed up on a couple of lists. Um, there was, there's a couple of others that have popped up, um, on a couple of lists. One of them is, uh, Terracotta Army, mm-hmm. um, I've seen, yep. which looks there's like it could be that. pretty interesting. Um, and I don't know if I told you the other day I was in the game store here and they were playtesting Basilica, which oh. is another Polish designer who evidently mm-hmm. lives here in Charlotte and they were playtesting at the game store. So Basilica will be out. I don't know if they're, I'm sure they're playing at Gen Con as well, but it's supposed to be released in um, September. Okay. Something that's not on the list. It's just something that I meant to mention earlier, but I do notice that um, there are two, you know, you were talking about the colonial thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There are two board games coming out that kind of go pre-colonial. One is oh, yeah. the, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Founders of Techenichen. That's probably not the right word there. Is this the Teotihuacan? Tia, yeah, Teotihuacan. I'm, I'm reading it wrong because I have bad eyes. And then uh, Red, the Red Burn Noose, Algeria, 1857, mm. which I guess is not pre-colonial, but... But instead of that kind of thing... Algeria, 1857 um, is post-Napoleonic, therefore it is post-colonial. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of um, ones that are sort of set in an early Stone Age kind of uh, place as well, um, and none of the names of them are are coming to mind immediately. Uh, but if I can find one, I'd be happy to you know talk a little bit more about it. But apparently, yeah. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so uh, here we go. Fire and Stone. This is a Klaus Jorgen Rieder uh, a game uh, from Pegasus Spiele. And, you know, the little tag, scout new lands, harvest nuts and mushrooms, and finally, build villages. So, you know, go out, take over, do some things. Um, and that should be interesting. That certainly had, had that on my mind. And in, in terms of, Laura and I have been discussing this a little bit, like ways you can avoid doing the colonial, post-colonial kind of stuff. There's a Mistwind from First Fish Games, Adrian Adamescu and Daryl Andrews. Um, It feels very much, you know, get into the world, expand out, build networks, deliver goods to expand further and so on. Feels very um, 19th century, 18th, 19th century. Uh, But Mistwind is a fantasy uh, realm and the thing that you are using to transport your goods and the networks that you're using are giant flying whales. So I guess giant flying beast is kind of my theme for the, for the morning. Are the whales bigger than the frog? I don't think they are. Okay. Just, you know, I 
thought I but would. They, but they fly, so that's yeah, cool, right? okay, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's um, different. It's a good thing they can breathe air. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they solved all of that, but you know, it's a misty wind. Maybe it's damp enough for them. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I feel like I'm I'm struggling with body mass and flight and <laughs> okay. It's magic. It's magic, Joe. I did see an article that talked about Avalon Hill being back at Gen Con. It's mm-hmm. almost like they took a break. And sometimes, you know, um, publishers will scale back at a convention just for various reasons. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there was a lot of hullabaloo about San Diego Comic-Con where DC was not as big of a presence as they've been in the past and and such. And so that just happens. And, and I've been in a, lot, a number of technology industries where, you know, there's an ebb and flow as do, you know, do we really want to, it's one of those things where if you're not there, people will talk about you, so you have to be there. But the the return on investment for some conventions can be uh, can have variances uh, yep. from year to year. So, so people make yep. strategic decisions. As but, uh, as a publisher, I have the same. You know, we rarely went to con- to conferences or conventions to make money, but to be present and to be talked about and to exactly show your new stuff. Yeah. But uh, so Avalon Hill being there, which of course is part of the uh, Hasbro family of gaming empire. That's right. So you have Avalon Hill, you have Wizards of the Coast, you have, uh, of course, Hasbro. They've got the movie coming out. um, And now they have a board game. One of the things that they're featuring is the new board game, The Yawning Portal. It'll be out in Q1 2023. Um, For those of us, you know, who are just like, uh, I'm sure, just take my money now kind of people, (laughs) like, the aforementioned Critical Role clue game that may or may not be on pre-order for me at my friendly local game store. <laughs> uh, but not for me, for my wife, because she oh, loves sure. Clue. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, had, I hadn't dived too much into that because I figured you would. What's the... Can you tell me a little more about it? Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, the on-portal for the uninitiated is the sort of the hub of all activity on the sword coast in the forgotten realms side of D and so what they've done is they've 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 taken this into more of a board game uh type of mechanism i honestly i'm i'm just kind of glancing at it for the first time as i'm kind of uh, going through this so i didn't do the deep dive on it but it looks like it's no got a lot of uh you know the thing I'll, you know we've talked about this before i think that um as everybody sort of talked about rising prices in terms of inflation, um, you know, there is a cost of transportation for most of these games coming from China. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously there are things in the headlines that make me think hmm, that's probably going to be later than I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's, that's going to be an interesting kind of, it'll be number one. It'll be interesting for me to see, and this is going to be pseudo political. I apologize. It's going to be very interesting to see if board game publishers begin to look for alternative production points mm-hmm. um, that bring things to market in a more stable way. It's number mm-hmm. one. We'll have to wait and see on that. But the reason I bring that up is that I'm looking at the picture of the game, and it looks like there's a lot of robust pieces. Uh, and I can't tell. I mean, they look very acrylic, plasticky, which would fit the Avalon Hill Hasbro yes. vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like a lot. So I like that when these games come out, they're kind of, you know, I started this complaining about all the content that was in the, the, the Glenmore game, but I like it when it's a beefy game and there's a lot of good, you know, things in there for you to work with because, you know, when you're paying anywhere from 50 to a hundred dollars for a game, you know, cardboard deteriorates. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you live in the South like we do, but humidity, not a friend of cardboard. Oh. In my gaming room, I have a dehumidifier that runs nice. constantly. Wow. And I still suck out about a gallon of water every other day. Jesus. Yeah. It's, well, part of it's the room that I have as my gaming room, but, but it's still, I, I try to keep the, the, the humidity in here at a certain level. Cause this is where I keep all the cardboard. Sure. So, sure. yep. Yeah. It's only, it's only cause it's July, August that it's that we usually in, in other, when we're like in September to June, it's more like once a week. Ah, okay. Well, that's, it's that, it's just that time of year. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's what happens when you convert an, a garage into a game room. 
fair. That would, yeah. yeah. Yep. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So you would never know that this is a garage. No, I wouldn't. Well, it's it's because it's not anymore. And there you go. See? And I'll, I've never seen it beyond this little portal. That's you know, fair. Into your, That's yeah. fair. So I, I couldn't, couldn't say. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of other games that, that sort of showed up on a lot of places and that uh, certainly has my attention as a former uh, publisher is the Gutenberg game. And that looks uh, from Portal Games. So if you're looking for other games from, you know, um, the Slavic region, uh, mm. they are, I think they're in the Czech Republic. Uh, Portal Games they are. And Gutenberg, I mean, it's, I don't need, you know, it's just, it's, it's about Gutenberg. I've, you know, I publish, I write, this is uh, what I want to see to begin with. Right. Oh, this so. is nice. Yeah. I'm yeah. A... Now yep. it, it's new or it's cause I'm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's getting its. Um, it's getting its due. Yeah. It's Got getting it. its, you know, it's everybody wants it on the dance card. Uh, gotcha. So I think it came out last year, but this is really the year that they're pushing it. I think. Okay, yeah, no, I'm looking at it. So it's available now. We don't have to wait for it is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah, yeah this is not when we have to wait for Q4 for it to. Nice. Yeah, no, I, and I didn't know if it was, are you, because it's interesting. I was looking at this, um, as you said that, I the the game, and I know nothing about it other than it's called My Father's Work, which immediately oh, thinks yeah. you, immediately you think it's, oh, that must be a religious game. But then you get into oh. it and like, no, it's a Halloween game and my father could be somebody else. <laughs> so <laughs> that looks kind of interesting. And that's, you know, where we're, you know, we talked about this previously and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we get into October. You know, we like games that are more um, uh, kind of spooky when you get into that mm-hmm. time of year. Like we like um, different ones. And I just picked up a copy of Blood on the Clock Tower that I'm hoping to do oh, as we get a little yeah. closer. And they've got they've got a third edition of Betrayal at House on the Hill coming out, so oh. it looks the hopefully with better the, components than because uh, yeah. we got the Scooby Doo version of it and was oh. like we're very intrigued by the game, very disappointed with the content. And I think one of the things that the write up said was that it it smoothed out some of the, the processes. It looks to be like I had the first edition for a while. And that was the one where you could get the pool on the third floor, um, and there was just some sort of chaos with that. So it looks like they've tried to streamline it a bit, and I'll be interested to see what people think about it when it's when it's out and chatter starts up again. Yeah, because when I looked at the Scooby-Doo, I thought it was a Scooby-Doo mechanism. And then I went and looked at the second edition of the game. There was a, an open copy in a local store. Mm-hmm. And they give you this, you know, this piece of cardboard, and then they give you this thing that you're supposed to pinch onto it. Uh, uh, to keep your score for each each individual, yes. and all it does is ruins the cardboard. Yep. And they 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 have pseudo fixed it with an app uh, okay. that you can download and then track everything on the different variations on the app. But it was just you know for what you paid for it, I was like I'm destroying the game by playing the game, <laughs> and I was not excited by that. And I thought it was just because oh it's Scooby Doo they didn't invest as much in it. And yeah, then I looked okay. at the the base game, and I was like, "No, this is this is just uh, cheap production." To be quite frank, That's what they do, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's unfortunate. I'm hoping, I'm I'm glad to hear that there's a third edition coming out. I'll be curious mm-hmm. to see if they have realized that this is not acceptable. Yeah, well, and I, the other thing is that it sounds like, you know, betrayal is supposed to be kind of a lighthearted. Uh, we'll explore a little bit, and then the bad thing happens, mm-hmm. and it becomes the haunt, and the game changes, and it's kind of supposed to be a little loose and chaotic. But the rules, the first and second edition, I think, were kind of, if you were looking for that kind of experience, it felt like there were more rules and more things to keep track of and more things to do than someone who's a kind of casual gamer who wants to pick up something fun for the end of the night or whatever. Um they would bounce off it pretty hard and they open the rule book and go, Oh shit. Um, this is going to take a little while. Right. And so I'm hoping they've made this a little bit, um, you know, more mellow, but speaking of, um, big, I don't, I don't think it's tied to an IP that one, but villainous, I don't know if you saw this star Wars villainous power of the dark side. You're wearing, I did, the, uh, I did yeah, see it. You're wearing yes. the stormtrooper shirt right now. 
We were in the game store last Sunday, and they uh, had a, they had it there, but I didn't buy it. <laughs> we like Villainous. We have the Disney versions. I think the game yep. is the game is the game is the game. I'm not sure if I need <laughs> another. I didn't buy the Marvel. I got the Marvel. Skip the Disney. Yeah, we got the Disney, and then the Mar- then the Marvel came out, and I'm like, eh. Star Wars maybe, but I I I would have to be. I would have to be back into playing the Disney one on a regular on a, on more of a regular basis to say okay now I want to add this variant mm-hmm. to it. No. Um but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Nope, that makes perfect um, sense. And for what it's worth I don't buy every D&D thing that comes out either. I mean they came out with the spell jammer and I was like, "Eh, it's not yeah. my not my not my flavor, which is fine." Sure. So yep. I no, decided, and that's the beautiful thing about D and D is that it's yeah. a big enough sandbox. There can be a lot of different. Places. Absolutely, no, I love yep. that. I love that. I love that uh, all of that can uh, can come together. Um, so yeah, I think so. I think Gen Con has been been pretty interesting. I'm glad to see that there are a lot of titles coming out. We'll be kind of curious to mm-hmm. see what really sucks up all the air out of the room. Um, it was interesting to see all of the um, all of the sort of. You know, a tie-in, Stranger Things, the My Little Ponies uh, card game, the deck building game, um, a bunch of other, you know, just IPs that were, you know, lots of new TV shows and stuff. And I wasn't kind of used to thinking about Gen Con as a place where they brought that out, but it's it was an interesting, uh, this time looking at this list, seeing all of these kind of very mainstream you know, Avalon Hill, um, Wizards, uh, Hasbro, all this kind of um, out there and thinking, hmm, well, that's uh, not something I was used to seeing and kind of fun to seeing that and thinking that maybe um, the audience for Gen Con has gotten large enough that Hasbro feels like rolling those kinds of kids games out, you know, at that event is worth it. So that's an interesting an interesting development. I'll want to see how that keeps going over the next couple of years. Well, you know, that's a very fair observation because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in the game store that I hang out in and the other game stores I've been in recently is that there are a lot of 30 somethings with their kids in the store. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. Like, so for example, you know, I know that you have brought your daughter into the realm of gaming and that, that mm-hmm. is just, you know, a byproduct of, well, I grew up with it. That's what it brought me into it. Yeah. Um, what was really interesting was I had a conversation with a gentleman who was brought in by his son. Oh, wow. And his son is interested in D&D and a number of things, but then he was gravitating to some of the other games and it was just sort of like, I love that it's an intergenerational kind of draw. Mm-hmm that can get you excited about, you know, what can be on the table or what can be in the imagination um, mm-hmm. from that particular perspective. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, to, um, I, the other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, you talk about these, these, these IP tie-in kinds of things. Um, and I, and, I, and there, I think there's some pluses or minuses, uh, to that depending upon what it is and how well it's executed. I think mm-hmm. that really what oh, yeah. it comes down to. Um, it was interesting. I was watching on YouTube last night. There was a, there was a guy, um, I believe it's W A S D. It's like, you know, the keyboard, how you move things around on the keyboard. Oh, okay. uh, he did, he does a lot of dungeons and dragons uh, kinds of things. And he was talking about the latest version of stranger things in the episode of dungeons and dragons. There's evidently only one in this season. Mm-hmm. And and because they keep the game so they 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 juxtapose the game, spoiler alert, with a basketball game, and they're both mm-hmm. intense uh, activities. You know, there was some discussion: is this an accurate depiction of D anD D, or is it? You know, because yeah, as we've all been in the <clears throat> shopping episode, <laughs> you know that it's not always intense. I mean, I, you and I play in a game, mm-hmm. and and last week it was not; it was more story you know it was mm-hmm. less i don't even think you guys got into a battle last nope. week um nope. and we've had a couple of episodes that are like that yeah um, it's like yeah it's and, fine. and it's i good. think that that's that's part of the thing that i think that you know when you're when you're trying to depict D, letting people understand that sometimes your entire episode is just 
moving from place to place. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the IP. I'll, I'll have, I'll, like I said, I want to see how it's executed. But there are two other games that that sort of caught my attention, um, okay. because you know the idea of a spooky game. There right. is this one called Weirdwood Manor by Grey Ridge Games. Okay, it's a co-op. Nice. Um, you're pitting the players against different monsters, fey monsters, in a strange manner that okay. seems to change, kind of like inside of Hogwarts can change, I guess. So nice. I like it because you know, kind of like horrified. We like the the when you're doing the spooky stuff. It's kind of nice when you're all doing that. And then there's another one called uh, Come Together by Chili Fox Games. It's more of a 1960s kind of vibe, worker yeah. placement. Could be interesting. Um, yeah. Don't know. <laughs> that looked pretty fun. There's a, it's in, there's a, one Sky Mines that's coming out. And this one is interesting because it has a sort of vexed history. It began life six years ago as Mombasa uh, and about... Uh, mining in Africa and this post-colonial and and it, and it was set in an era when there was a lot of wars and a lot of people dying and it was and it kind of glossed over all of the history mm-hmm. and and it was an early title for really getting a lot of criticism for not paying attention to the history that it was depicting right mm-hmm. and so the um pardon I'm sorry I thought I'd seen it earlier I spoke out of turn keep going Oh, no worries. And, <laughs> um, and so Sky Mines, and this is Alexander Fister, who's the yep. same guy who did Great Western Trail. Um, he said, okay, nope, I hear what you're saying. And so they went back to the drawing board. And I think Mombasa is you know, no longer in print. Uh, but Sky Mines is the one now that's taking. Um, and Mombasa was had really great mechanisms, from what I understand. It was a people really liked the game, but were kind of put off very strongly by the setting of it. And so Sky Mines has kind of the same, um, very much the same mechanisms. It's supposed to be a fantastic game. I don't know. I haven't played it. Uh, but it's interesting that now that we've got this one out now or coming soon uh, for to, you know, the way that it responded to the concerns of the, um, the public and reinvented itself to take care of those concerns. No, and I think that I think that makes sense because I think on the one hand, so you know, you know, I, I majored in history. I think it's very important mm-hmm. that we don't forget our history, right? You know, because those who forget it are doomed to repeat it mm-hmm. in many respects. But I also appreciate that you don't have to go through a game that relives it in order to to do that now well, uh, and, and the thing now, that they did is that they didn't even relive it they kind of glossed over it they uh, kind of gotcha. made a bunch of it disappear and there, i think there was a short bit of text that said hey here's some of the stuff that was going on but then went ahead and um just moved forward and people said no you can't just wave your hands and make that disappear you have to deal with it kind of like all the happy people in the old lipton tea box that, that really we were not go. happy yes yeah i got it mm-hmm so, but it's just an interesting to see that story. Kind yeah, of no, it's well. I think happening. it's 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 interesting because you know, if I'm a game designer, you know, what am I really designing? Am I designing the art in the story, or am I designing the mechanism that makes it fun? And then what mm-hmm. can be overlay? You know, to a degree, it's like saying, I have made this software. Now, how can I skin it to make it interesting? And yeah. I can make My Little Pony on it, or I can make Star Wars on it. And, you know, Villainous mm-hmm. is a great example. Villainous is the the mechanic is the mechanic. And then you have the user experience and the, the, the uh, and part of that is the artwork. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, and that's kind of, you know, when we go back to the, you were talking about all the plethora of the birds. Yes. <laughs> the plethora of birds and, you know. I think wingspan is such a lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's, but it's nice that people are driving into the whole other ways to experience gaming. Cause I think, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to set up this idea. So I, I belong to a Methodist church here in town and 
we've been trying to get people back into small groups. And what I, I said is, look, I want to do like a tabletop fellowship where it's, it's not a Bible study. We're just going to get together. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to meet at a game store and we're going to learn games. And the whole idea is we've been in pandemic for three years is that I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to do it in a very non-threatening kind of way. Yes. You know, and it doesn't even have to be thematic. I mean, now there are things you can do like the, you know, the Methodists have this thing called the social principles that, that talk about the environment. So if I wanted yeah, to do that, right. I could pull out oceans or I could pull out, you know, spill, which is a new game coming out uh, yeah, from Gen Con. Endangered. Yeah. Or Jane, exactly. And, and make mm-hmm. it about that. But at the same time, I'm just trying to get people interacting in a different way that doesn't involve, you know, other things. And so I'm, the challenge is most games are four to five player. Right. And I'm trying to find the six plus player games, uh, um, yeah. but it you know I've just finally resolved that I'm, I can't put that kind of lens on it. What I need to do is just run a table, see who shows up. If I have more than people than one table, set up another table and just get another game out and just yep. kind of go back and forth. But anyway, that's that's it. The the point there being is that it's there's just looking for different ways to make this game. Uh, except the, the, this hobby rather, uh, accessible and useful in different ways as we're coming out of a pandemic. Cause I think a lot of people could be drawn to it, um, as well. Yes. I feel like that was a non sequitur. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's good. All right. So, uh, what I'd love to do is see what, you know, let's find out who we know that's made it to Gen Con. I know at least two or three people love to have them on in the next few, at least the next go around. I'll see what I can do to get some people might be interested in doing that. Um, and the, awesome. and uh, in fact, there's one person I'm going to reach out to that I know was doing some demos there, so I'd love to maybe get their oh, yeah. perspective. Um, so I'll reach out to them and see if they're open to it. And um, but that's all I have for today. That's uh, all I got. All right. Well, James, take us home. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm James Engelharts, and I'm hoping that all your uh, tiebreakers break your way. And of course, as always, I'm Joe Mahaffey, and I am not bored. I am board gaming. See you next time, everybody. Bye.